0: it up and welcome to Cars Yash on number 2316. Today I'm talking to the founder of a rather new website. It's a community for enthusiasts, hobbyists, and collectors. I think you're going to enjoy it. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah,
1: where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down,
0: buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. I'm on the East Coast today, Port Washington, New York, with a very special guest by the name of Will Red. Will, welcome to Cars. Yeah, do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch?
1: I sure am, Mark. Let's go ahead and get started. All
0: right, we're having some fun now. Before we do get started, though, I always ask all my guests what's one little thing that most people don't know about you, Will.
1: I think that uh, you know one thing that a lot of people may not know is that my wife and I founded a technology company, and we pioneered electronic filing for attorneys and it was the first successful production e-filing system in the US and that was in the late 90s.
0: Wow, how cool is that? <laughs> very very cool. Yeah. 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 It's funny you think of the late 90s and when people say that I kind of think, well that wasn't that long ago and then I went, yeah it was, especially in the tech world, right?
1: Oh yeah, that was the whole dot com uh era.
0: Well, I do remember that because uh, the company I was working with, we hired a lot of those folks that lost their jobs when that whole bubble burst, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah, so and we had a few people that left going, "Oh, this company's cool. They got ping-pong tables and free coffee." And I'm like, "Okay." And then uh, a year later, I need my job back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really yeah. good at ping-pong, but I have no income. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's dive into it. Will Selenrad is the founder of Collector Chassis a community for enthusiasts, hobbyists, and collectors to showcase, spectate, buy, and sell vintage, classic, and special interest vehicles. Will is an entrepreneur in the IT service industry. He's held a variety of executive management positions, including CRO, co-founder, and president. in the company he mentioned in our previous discussion, his experience includes growing startup companies to over $25 million in revenue. His car addiction began at a very young age, building model cars. Sounds like me. And from there, it grew into fixing up real cars, going to autocross events, and buying his own enthusiast cars. We'll learn a lot more about Will and what he's doing today at Collector Chassis. But first, a word from our sponsors So give them a little love. They keep the gas in the tanks here. Buckle up and we'll be right back. Years ago, when it was time to renew my collector car insurance policy, my carrier's rates went up. Way up, but my usage was the same, and I never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. So, what's with that? So, I turned to American Collector's Insurance. Has your collector car insurance recently raised your rates for no good reason? Tired of paying an annual membership fee? Then it's time to look around and call American Collector's Insurance. I shopped around, I asked friends for recommendations, and found a winner 224 9324 and protect the ones you love like I did with American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. For several years now, you've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine. I've been a subscriber since the start. Their talented and creative team brings you a spectacular publication and website that shares the automotive passion from a worldwide perspective. Linkage is about driving, restoring, collecting, and first-hand experience at collector car auctions and more. They bring you real-world values plus rational, experienced opinions on the current markets. They cover the automotive world and the people who share our passions. And Linkage Magazine has grown, mailing you six issues annually. Join me on this journey with Linkage. They're geared for the automotive life. You can subscribe at LinkageMag.com. So Will, we are back. So let's talk a little bit about Collector Chassis because this is a rather new company and and I had a really weird coincidence yesterday. A good friend of mine, Paul, and I were speaking and he said, oh, you got to interview this guy named Will with Collector Chassis. And I said, well, coincidentally enough, he's calling me in the morning. So (laughs) there you go. So it's a small world. How did this idea come about and tell our listeners what is Collector Chassis?
1: Well, so the idea came about, actually, I'm a BMW CCA member, and whenever I would get the Roundell magazine, I would always see in the uh, section on letters to the editor, people would be posting their cars and wanting to share them with the community, and I would think to myself, gosh, that's pretty cool, I wonder how many cars members have, what different cars do they have, is it always BMWs, do they have other makes and models, And uh, I thought it would be pretty cool to create an online community where people could showcase their cars and share them among other like-minded car collectors. And so that was really kind of what started Collector Chassis.
0: Well, I've been a member of that same club for 20 plus years now, I think so. And I see those uh, letters to the editor and people will show pictures of their cars and so forth. So you took it that next step and said, oh, how can we create this online community for people to share all these things? And maybe you can walk our listeners through the different parts of your website. Because I was playing around on a little bit last night and went, oh, this is kind of cool. It's like uh, having a, a bunch of friends. But they're all over the place that you maybe can't go to their cars and coffees, if you will. Uh, But at least you can share what you have. And there's one thing I know, having done this uh, podcast for nine years and been a car guy my whole life, is people love to share their vehicles.
1: They really do. And, uh, you know, there's so many different outlets to do it. And I thought if we could pull them all together, all the different social media sites, all the different forums, uh, the different clubs and and pull it together into one site where people could showcase their cars, they could tell their stories because everybody's got a story about each one of their cars, what makes them special. And so that's really how we started. People started putting their cars on. It started to amaze me how collectors have so many cars. I mean, I've got collectors that have some of their cars on the site but they have actually anywhere from 60 to 100 cars, uh, which is an extreme collector, I guess, uh, from my definition. But it just amazes me people actually have that many cars. So we started to have people showcase their cars. That's one aspect to the site. And then I figured out, well, we better figure out a way to monetize this because we can't just provide this service for free. So then we came up with the idea of, of the auction and the general listing. So we have the typical reserve auction where if the reserve is met, the vehicle sells. And then when the vehicle did not sell where the reserve was not met, uh, we thought, well, what are we gonna do with this vehicle now? Does it just leave the site? And actually what it does is it goes back into a owner's collection. So everybody has their own collection page and they can put all their cars on their collection page. They can showcase them. And then if they wanna sell them, they just click the sell my car button. They can create an auction where reserve is met the vehicle sells. Now we have where if the reserve is not met, people can make an offer or buy now on the car in their collection. And then we also added general listing because there are just some people who are turned off by the idea of auctioning their vehicle, and they kind of like the old classified version of just listing their vehicle. And so what we did, instead of just having a buy price, we say, why don't you make an offer? Or we give them the option to click on the buy now price, because most people like to negotiate when it comes to buying a vehicle. And so we give them that option to do that. So it's showcasing your car and it's reserve auction or a general listing to buy and sell your car.
0: Are there limits to the types of cars that people can bring in? Is it really more just anybody with a, a car they, they love and enjoy?
1: Yeah, it's it's really that way, Mark. When you showcase your car, there is no charge to do that. We don't limit the number of cars you can put on your collection page. You can put cars you've owned, cars you've sold, or cars that you're selling on your collection page. And we give you up to 12 photos per vehicle and one video per vehicle uh, to showcase your cars. And then, of course, if you want to sell a vehicle in a reserve auction or in a a general listing, you can have up to 120 photos in a video. Um, But when you you go to sell your vehicle, we really do all the work for you. So we write your listing. We give you a Dropbox to upload your photos. Uh, we really make sure that it's a very presentable listing, whether it's an auction or a general <laughs> listing, but we do all the work for you. The other thing we do is when it comes to selling your vehicle, we put it on popular car sites. We put it on social media, but we really promote it as opposed to just having a, um, online presence on Collector Chassis, we expanded as much as we possibly can to not only attract more users to the Collector Chassis site, but give your car a lot more exposure.
0: Well, that's cool because there's uh, several sites out there these days. I've had some of my show that are aggregators that try to pull in all this information to their site, too. Mm. Uh, and they're not necessarily selling cars. They just want to present all these things. So yeah, it's all about how do you get found? And in this jungle that is the Internet now in the car world, we were talking about that in our pre-show chat, is where do you go to find things and how do you discover what exists and so forth? And sometimes I come across things and I go, how come I didn't know about that? I should know about everything. I'm cars. Yeah, for goodness sake. But you can't. It's so, you know, the universe has gotten so huge.
1: Well, and that's why we're trying to create more of a community and do something different than just a one dimensional auction or a listing site. But we really are working hard to create this online community where you can look at someone's collection page. You can look at their profile. You can see cars that they bid on, cars that they own, where their expertise is and you can reach out to them and ask them questions. So if you uh, want to buy early model Porsche or a late model Porsche, as an example, we were talking about Porsche earlier and you want to find an expert, you can go to the site, you can look at someone's collection page, you can see the different kinds of Porsche that they collect and then ask them questions, reach out to them. So we're trying to create a site that is informative, that becomes a destination for people, uh, but also where people can connect and develop relationships. And hopefully there'll be long lasting relationships. But the common denominator is collector chassis.
0: Very cool. Now, I understand. And I learned this yesterday when I was talking to my friend Paul, uh, who's also been on the show here, is, DeCruz, is uh, you have formed a relationship with the BMW Club, which is very cool. And as I said, uh, you and I have both have been members for a long, long time. Explain how that came to be, because I found it really fascinating. And I think it, it dives a bit into how your brain works of seeing an opportunity that's right there on the pages. When you think about old fashioned turn magazine type thing that you've turned into what you're doing with them.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, times are changing for all the clubs. And, you know, they've got a set membership that's uh, starting to age gracefully, I guess I'll say. I'm trying to do that. (laughs) Yeah, And there's a younger generation of car collectors that have been brought up in uh, online, right, through social media or whatever online they uh, experience that they like. And so I started thinking back to the whole reason of creating collector chassis, which was people showcasing their cars. And I thought, you know, this might be a pretty cool idea. I ran it by the uh, BMW CCA board. I talked to Eddie and Frank and some of the other key people there. And, um, you know, it it took a while, uh, but after a a couple of years, it kind of took root. And we thought, you know, let's bring the BMW CCA community online. Let people showcase their cars online communicate with each other online and uh, buy and sell their cars online as well. And we came up with a model where the more people showcase their cars, the more they buy and sell, the more they actually support and grow the club. And we bring in a younger audience who is really um, growing up online. So it's really starting to take root and grow as we get the name out there.
0: I think it's great. Something I've noticed post-COVID, going to car events, and I just returned from the La Jolla Concours, and I was down there at a, an event that's grown really big in Rancho Santa Fe that started as the Secret Car Club. Uh, Chris Erickson, he's been a guest on the show. And then it, a lot more people started coming in, and it got out of control, so he moved his club elsewhere. They would go They go to private tours, but the, the cars and coffee, I won't call them hooligans, but they were a little bit... More lively group, let's say, uh, stayed there and it grew. So the tour for the Concorde was going through Rancho Santa Fe. And what I noticed was there were a lot of young, like high school kids there, and not just standing around, but creating content. I saw with incredible cameras and groups of kids that were working together and trying to get these shots and everything. And I'm standing here going, I used to never see this. You know, it used to just be my group or maybe a little bit younger group of people. And now, this entirely new group. So you're right. I think it's the time to do it because these kids have grown up with these devices in their hands and they're not afraid to go out there and do things that are different and create content. And I have to admit, it made me feel a little bit old because I was like, oh, (laughs) look at these guys. But I got excited because that's the next generation and those are the people that we need to pull in to be a part to help these, especially help these clubs grow and stay vibrant and alive so they don't just wither away.
1: And, And a lot of the younger members have young families too. And we all remember how much time our kids take, right? And so- The time they have to unwind is at the end of the day, but they can't commit a full Sunday or a whole day to go to a BMW CCA event to meet people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so they can go online and they can kind of have the exact same experience as if they were at an in-person event.
0: Yeah, I think it's great. It's fantastic. I'd like to talk a bit about what I call our driving inspirations, people that in your career, your past, or even in your present, that have been very influential to you and very helpful. Is there somebody like that in your life?
1: Uh, Well, outside of my uh, dad, I think I've never run into that one person that's uh, been so profound that they've made a dramatic impact on my life. For me, it's always been a lot of different people, nuggets of wisdom, or mentoring from a lot of different people. And it's kind of those nuggets that collectively inspire me. So I stay away from all the paid motivators and the actors and the teachers. I prefer real life success stories from real people. I don't believe in instant success. As you know, I mean, it does require hard work to succeed. And that timeline is probably different for everybody. One thing I've, I've learned from talking to different people that things always happen in cycles, you know, I mean, you succeed, you fail. It's a continuous cycle of of uh, you know, rinse, learn, and repeat. <laughs> so I think it's, you know, don't be afraid to fail. It's a key component to achieving success.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Long, long ago, when I was living down in Southern California, I was coming out of the water. I used to go surfing in the morning before I'd go to work. I lived by the ocean. It was, you know, idyllic. I grew up doing that. And this uh, very tall guy was running down the beach. I mean, he was huge. And I just finished listening to a series of motivational cassette tapes. (laughs) All of us guys remember what a cassette tape is. Uh, At least it's not a track And uh, and it turns out it was Tony Robbins. Mm. And so I had just listened to his personal power series. It was the first series that he put out. And so I said, hey, Tony, I just listened to your tapes. Long story short, I was working in advertising. Uh, He became a client of ours. And we started helping him with marketing material. And I went to his firewalk session and did all of that thing. And the reason I bring it up is you say things run in cycles. Now I'm seeing on social media people, young people, doing exactly what Tony was doing saying the exact same messages about how to be successful. You know, I go, well, Tony's been saying that for 40 years, you yeah, know? Um, and he's changed and evolved what he's doing too, especially during COVID. Um, and boy, he's become a success. But you're right. It's just like uh, the other day uh, while I was down in La Jolla, I saw a kid wearing bell-bottoms as big as the ones I wore in high school in the <laughs> 70s. And I went, well, I guess they're back. If I could only fit into my old bell-bottoms, that would make me feel happier. But uh Yeah, it's uh, quite interesting. Challenges, you know, startups. You're a guy who's done startups. You know about challenge, this current one you're working uh, through. Uh, Could you talk about a big challenge that you faced? But more importantly, what was that lesson it taught you that you can go, man, I'm glad I went through that. It was a pain in the rear, but I'm glad I did it.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, my biggest challenge is always the man in the mirror, right? How many obstacles will I create to prevent myself from succeeding, I kind of like to vision success and then go after that vision and continue to refine and uh, make changes along the way to achieve that success. But sometimes I think, yeah, you know, this is just a little too much pain or the sacrifice I'm making is just a little too great. And uh, maybe I just don't want to do this anymore. So it's a matter of setting goals that are realistic and determining, you know, how much pain and sacrifice uh, do I really want to endure to be successful? And I think I'm always amazing myself where I think I've had enough and then I realize, no, there's a lot more gas in the tank and I can continue to push harder and do better. And I kind of liken it a little bit to the paradigm uh, of exercising. It's kind of like saying, the most push-ups I can ever do is 25, but then, when I get to twenty five I'm like, "Well, maybe I can do ten more and then next thing I know I'm doing fifty, and then I'm doing a hundred, you know, and that's kind of how I look at uh the biggest challenge of starting a business is it's a lot of hard work, and uh the biggest obstacle I think you'll find or that I found was you know myself
0: oh so true. And these days you look at all the, you mentioned the the newbies that come on and say, oh, look at all my success and they're in front of a mansion with all these cars. And you, how yeah. do you do that? Well, probably not the way you thought, <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah, it just gets down to hard work and grit. So, you know, in that same vein for people listening that might be hitting that first or second or fifth, or if you're an entrepreneur, the hundredth wall, you go, oh, this is just too, why am I doing this? Why can't I just... Go work for someone else. Well,
1: it's kind of like when you see an actor on TV and they're they're at the height of popularity, but you just found out about that actor, right? And you're thinking, wow, this person achieved success. How long did it take? And then you start kind of doing a little research on that actor and you realize it might have taken them 10 or 15 years to reach that point, you know? And and with the Internet now, uh, there's so much more information. So you can see when they were doing really bad acting or doing really tough gigs at an early part of their career to where they are today. And the thing about uh, social media and everything that is promoting individuals, they always seem to get to the point where that person is at the pinnacle success. That's when they have the biggest audience. And so the perception is that that person got successful quickly, and I want to do the same thing. But that's not reality. I think people have to set realistic goals for themselves. And if they want to, uh, you know, do something uh, significant with their life and start a business or become an actor or do something like that, you have to kind of set a realistic trajectory or timeline for yourself, right? And say, I, you know, I don't need to do it in one year, give me five years and and kind of take the crawl, walk, run, and start slow. Make measurable grain, gains you know that grow each month, each quarter, each year, and you'll get there. But give yourself measurable ways that you can see that, that you're achieving success. And it could be monthly, it could be yearly, and that'll keep you motivated, and that'll keep you going, And and take that data and figure out, what do I need to do to improve so I can improve the metric and continue to grow each year and you'll get there and it's different for everybody right and sometimes you know COVID will interfere with it but uh, or something like that but that's the right way to do it and the right perspective to have
0: exactly athletes are another great example of that you look at michael jordan and this new movie that's out about his affiliation with nike and you realize you know when that started he was really I won't say he's a nobody because he was somebody, but you know what I mean. You just think mm-hmm. Michael Jordan was always famous, always perfect. Always No, that guy had to work hard. I think he got you know couldn't even get into a school at first when he was young. Yeah. So, yeah, it takes a lot of work. So, yeah, just the grind. I uh, got to keep at it. Keep focusing. But I like your idea of small incremental improvements versus big giant jumps because that's where you'll let yourself down. And you, you go back to the man in the mirror. We can be our worst enemies uh, many, many times. And yeah, that goes where you have to surround yourself with really positive, good people that uh, can push you along and motivate you as well. When I think about a bucket list for what you're doing right now with this new site, what's your short term? Because I don't like to go too far out because things happen like covid What's your short term growth perspective on how you'll see the site evolving?
1: Yeah, I uh, want to. I'm totally taking the crawl, walk, run approach. Um, I am not expecting that we're going to be a high volume auction site or a high volume listing site. Um, we don't want to be the next cars.com or the next bring a trailer. I really want to focus more on the community and uh, giving people an outlet to connect to sell cars to other enthusiasts. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to a seller and they say, you know, Will, I want to get this price for the car. But if the person's really an enthusiast, and I know they're going to love this car as much as I did, and they'll maintain it and take as good care of it as I did, then I'm open to a price that we can both live with, but I don't need to sell it for the highest possible price. I'm more interested in this car going to a good home. That's, I think, what kind of embodies the philosophy of what we're all about. And so if we can accomplish that, if we can create a trusted community, and we also are technologically putting things in place. I mentioned the buyer profiles, the collection page, so you can better understand you know what a person uh, has in terms of expertise or the cars that they're collecting we're also tracking a car from who owned it to who bought it so we can track the history of that vehicle so we're trying to create all this data and this uh, information uh, on collectors and the cars that they're selling because people like to buy cars from other collectors so Again, it's coming back to this whole community that we're trying to create, uh, as opposed to just a one-dimensional site to sell vehicles at a high volume. That's absolutely not what we want to be about.
0: Sure, absolutely. When I had uh, Randy from Ring Trailer on the show, the first time he was on my show, he talked about uh, launching his auction And it gave me a great scoop because he announced it on Cars Yeah, which I thought was really cool. But what people don't realize is there was 10 years before that point of him just posting cars and going, this is cool, you know. Um, So it's like, again, not an overnight
1: success. Which year did he start, Mark? That was like 2007 or something, right? Yeah,
0: I believe it was. Yeah, yeah. And 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 so
1: people look at the site now and they go, holy smokes, this place is a raging success. But they don't think about how long it took for that site to get to this point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. 15 plus years, something like that. And uh, that's years of trust and not screwing up and just slow, you know, the slow grind. So uh, pretty amazing uh, what he's done there. Special vehicles. Uh, All my guests are car people. So is there one special vehicle in your life you uh, could share with us? Maybe a cool story?
1: Yeah, well, that's uh, easy, Mark. That uh, was my first car. That was a 1965 Oldsmobile Delta 88 with a Rocket V8. Oh, wow. Huge car. It was a four-door, uh, and it had this perfect interior. It just needed a repaint, so I spent an entire summer sanding it. That was Really what started my bad back because I was bent over sanding uh, this car the whole summer. Yeah. But I think what was really cool about it, it had this huge bench seat and it was electric. And an electric front seat And a 1965 car was kind of a rare thing. I'd get all my buddies in there and we'd go to a drive-in. And at that time, you didn't think anything of bringing a case of beer with you. And we'd get to the drive-in. I'd tilt that seat all the way back, so it would be like a Lazy Boy recliner, and we'd open up that case of beer and just start telling stories, watching the movie, and just having a great time, so... Big
0: car. Yeah, that's a lot of surface to sand. I know because I was, <laughs> oh, I was yeah. detailing cars when I was a kid and I would some of those big cars from the 60s and 70s. I'm like, oh my gosh, uh, there is so much hood on this thing. My father-in-law I had Cadillacs all the time and I remember one of his cars, I said I wash it for him. I'm like, I think the hood on this car is as big as my entire car at least as much yeah. metal. So yeah, massive, massive vehicles. I'm a bit of a certified car psychologist here. So I crawl into my guest head a little bit. If you were reincarnated, manifest as a vehicle, what would you be and why? Uh, you know, I
1: guess I I would be a Lamborghini Miura. Oh, wow. Okay. And why is that? Well, I think it's, you know, it's as relevant today it was when it was introduced uh, I think around 66 1966 uh, and perhaps it's even more relevant now I mean you know the value of the mirror keeps getting higher and higher and the mirror just keeps getting better with age you know the way it looks uh, the way it sounds how it makes you feel the style it just evokes a very positive attitude when it arrives, it commands a real presence. You know, you just don't pull up in a mirror unnoticed. <laughs> no,
0: <laughs> not at all. Yeah, we've got some collectors up here in the Northwest that uh, I always enjoy looking at their cars. And um, in fact, one of them is he's got an orange one. Uh, it was on the lawn at Pebble Beach two years ago, and uh, maybe it was last year. They're just beautiful, beautiful cars. I remember when I was a kid, there was a doctor in our town who always had cool new cars, and he had a, a Mira, and then went on to get a Countach. And uh, when you'd see him driving that thing around town, it was just like it was like a spaceship. It was so beautiful, and I think his was lime green, if I remember right.
1: Well, and then and, and then the whole uh, Lamborghini Ferrari story in itself is pretty cool from that era too, right? right? Oh yeah. Yeah. But the Miro was like one of Lamborghini's first cars, which just amazes me.
0: Well, it does cuz you know, the first ones that were just a little bit goofy, you know, and I was like, eh, I don't know about this and all of a sudden this thing shows up. And I'm like, what? And then the the Countach shows up and you're like, oh my gosh, and uh, you know, the rest is history. And they'd made some really really crazy cars. I guess recently on the show talked about the um, uh, Aventador. And I mean, that was another one. That was just another step into space age, rocket ships, fighter plane, cars. You know, it's it's uh, pretty outstanding what they've done for sure. Fun, fun cars. How about great reading? Is there a great book you could share with our listeners?
1: Oh boy! Well, I'll tell you. Uh, you know, I've been so busy lately reading a book. It's not something that I really have a lot of time with. If I go back a few years, "Good to Great" by James C. Collins. I found yeah. that very inspirational. I've read that book a few times and just not just from a business perspective from a from a personal perspective uh, I found it very inspirational
0: Love that book. Yeah, I love what he's done. He's uh, written some great books. So The Ultimate Drive, before I let you go today, I'm a bit of an enabler here, a good enabler. I'm going to park any car in the world in your driveway. You can take it anywhere in the world for a drive, and you can take anybody with you, even somebody who's no longer with us, which opens up a lot of interesting uh, co-pilots. What does The Ultimate Drive look like for a car guy like
1: you? Hmm. You know, I would think that would be Carroll Shelby, and um, in terms of what we would go in, it would be a real 1965 Cobra, you know, the ones with the side oiler V8, so not a fiberglass replica, but the real deal. I would definitely let Carol Shelby drive it because he used to race cars and I didn't. And uh, I just think that would be so cool to be driving with the sound of the Cobra engine and the no roof and the wind in the face and just... Talking about life and business, and would he do anything different? I mean, the guy was a real maverick, and he just did some really cool things. Which to this day, he's still pretty much bigger than life. So, uh, I I find that would be a pretty cool experience.
0: The challenge would be hearing him. <laughs> if you're, <laughs> you're in that car, uh, that would be something else. You know, I thought about him and maybe taking him for a ride in the new Ford GTS and having. His impression of what do you think, you know, because he was a evolutionary type guy. You think about the Cobra, the GT three fifty Shelby Mustang, the Daytona, Ford GTS. I mean, he was always trying to push ahead. I thought it would be pretty cool, and I ran into uh, Camilo Pardo at the La Jolla Concorde Tour, and he was driving his. He is the new one, not the first gen O seven 8, 9 those, but the uh, the new one, and uh, he drove it all the way from Michigan. Which is pretty wow. cool. He and he's the guy who designed those cars. So um kind of neat that uh we got to got to chat a little bit there as well. So uh, but that would be cool. Yeah. Carol Shelby, he's a he's one everybody loves.
1: Well, and the other thing uh too, Mark, is how would he drive the car, right? I mean, would he drive it like an old lady and just be talking, or would he be driving it like you know, a race car driver and uh talking at the same time? So I, I'm thinking the latter.
0: Well, if you could bring him back as a bit of a younger guy, too, uh, because, you know, he had so many health issues. Guy dodged so many bullets. I mean, you know, really, uh, you think about all of his heart issues and all the things he had to go through. But, um, yeah, that would be that would be pretty darn fun. You've taken us on a cool ride today, and I can't thank you enough for spending time sharing what you're up to. Before I let you go, could you share maybe some words of inspiration, a mantra or success quote?
1: I guess uh, I look at life kind of like taking a drive. You know, some people like to go from point A to point B and just get there. Uh, Some like to take more of a scenic route and explore. Um, Some like to drive the speed limit and just fit in with the masses. And then there are those that want to be reckless and always exceed the speed limit. Uh, I guess, you know, there's lots of different metaphors and there's no right or wrong approach, but it's the approach that brings each of us, personal happiness, that's really what counts. So my advice is don't let the perception of others push you into bad driving habits, do what's right for you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Great. Works in life and works in actual driving too. uh, that kid in the, the jump seat is saying, go faster, go faster. Maybe don't listen to him unless you're on the track (laughs) (laughs) for sure. Uh, Too easy to get in trouble out there. How can people learn more about collector chassis? Where do they go?
1: Wow, that's a great question. So uh, there is a website, collectorchassis.com. And I know chassis is a hard word for some people to say and even harder for some to spell, but it's C-H-A-S-S-I-S, collectorchassis.com. There's also, uh, I co-host a Manhasset Cars and Coffee, and the word and is the ampersand. So Manhasset Cars and Coffee. We also have a YouTube channel with story behind the collector and people can go there and we talk to collectors about their collections and what makes them interesting to them again fueling the whole stories that we want our community to talk about at collector chassis so
0: very cool Well, well, you've taken us on a fun ride today, and I can't thank you enough for sharing what you're doing and for doing what you're doing. Uh, It's very cool, very innovative, very fun, a great place to go. I encourage you listeners to check out Collector Chassis as I have. I think you're going to be there a while and have some fun. Post your car up, have some fun, meet some new people you never know. If you want to sell a car, you want to find a car, you just want to hang out with some cool car people, Collector Chassis is a place to go. Will, thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise, and thanks for what you're doing. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks, Mark. You're welcome. This has been fun. Did you know that less than 3% of all automotive technicians in the U.S. are women? You may not be surprised, but you should be concerned because our country is facing a massive Technician shortage right now. Skilled, qualified techs are in high demand, and we need young men and women to consider these viable career paths. Karjan yeah knows that women make great techs. I've interviewed a lot of them, so we support the nonprofit Tech Force Foundation and its Women Tech Rocks initiative to ensure women see themselves in this profession, the industry, and the workforce. Learn more at techforce.org today.